Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls. And my guest today, you're really going to enjoy. She's a friend and colleague, and her name is Jody Cohen. And Jody is an award-winning journalist. I didn't know this about you, Jody, that you were actually a journalist prior to being the founder of your company, Vibrant Blue Oils. Uh, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that. But uh, she's a best-selling author. She's written uh, two books, Healing with Essential Oils and Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. As I mentioned, she is the founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, which is really one of the best essential oil companies out there uh, that I'm aware of. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about essential oils. So, Jody, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's funny that you mentioned journalism. Yeah, I was journalism and poli sci in college. And right out of college, I worked for Ted Kennedy on the Health and Human Resources Committee. And my job was literally, this was 1991 before the internet, to comb through research reports to get talking points for the senators and the uh, witnesses at the hearings. And so I got incredibly good and incredibly efficient at figuring out how to read research really quickly and get the highlights and learn super complicated. Like back in the day when we'd have to go to the dictionary and look things up because you couldn't just Google the word. So um, anyway, that was- we might have to explain what a dictionary is to younger listeners. <laughs> you may not a know. book that, that explains the meaning of words back when you couldn't just figure it out from entering it online. Um, and, and then I was, I was a journalist for a while, actually in DC covering uh, environmental stuff and politics. And I won a couple of awards for that. And then I went and got um, an MBA because at a certain point I decided I needed to pay back my student loans and, um, you know, adult, and <laughs> I needed to make more money. So I, I got an MBA and I was doing a lot of marketing. And then um, my life took a turn. I had uh, my first child was ridiculously easy. And I just assumed I was this great mom. Had another one 22 months later, which was a different experience. You know, he really had a lot of food sensitivities that we weren't aware of until someone noticed his behavior change after he ate something and said, gosh, you know, my um, my brother was on Ritalin his whole life. And it turns out he was just allergic to weird foods. You should take him to a nutritionist. And I thought, well, that's easier than everything else I've been trying. So took him to a nutritionist, found out he was super sensitive to all artificial color and flavors and corn, soy, and dairy changed his diet. The next day we had a different child. And I was so blown away because, you know, for anyone that's listening, that's struggled with something and, and really struggled and kind of looked under every, you know, kicked every tire, looked in every book, everything you can think of, and then found the answer was something you hadn't thought of. And it was food. Um, I went back and got a degree in nutrition, was trying to help other families with, you know, tricky kids because it's shameful. You know, everyone kind of, if, if your kid isn't kind of, you know, fitting the mold, they look at you like you're a bad parent or you're deficient or there's something wrong with you. Um, and so I had a lot of compassion because I, I walked that walk. I lived that life. And uh, one of the ways I was trying to help the um, parents were kind of identifying the root issue and figuring out what remedies would help. And so kids, you know, some kids are wiggly. They don't really want to sit still while you do that. So I um, studied muscle testing at Bastyr, uh, figured out how to quickly assess what was going on with kids. And then um, the other shoe dropped. My 
husband at the time um, was bipolar. For most of our relationship, he was really manic. And when he kind of turned into depression, I realized uh, he might die on my watch. And so I moved him into a residential treatment facility. And once I knew he was safe, it was finally safe for me to, you know, stop being on high alert all the time. And uh, the minute I sat down, I couldn't get back up. My adrenals just had no uh, no fuel left. And so that is when I found oils. A friend said, you know, you are so chronically stressed, so high cortisol, which means you're super inflamed. So nothing you're ingesting is really necessarily going to get assimilated properly. Why don't you try oils? They can be inhaled, you know, and go directly into the brain and the bloodstream through the nose, or you can topically apply them and they can go through the skin. And that is when I, I started playing with oils and um, making things up to kind of support my adrenals, my energy, my focus. Uh, and that is kind of how the company was born. But looping back to the journalism part, I think that being really comfortable doing research and writing about it has been such a blessing because I would often discover like, wow, this is so interesting that this works so well. I wonder why. And then I'd go figure it out. Well, that's a great story. And I always think it's interesting how we all have like our own personal circumstances, either with our own bodies or our loved ones that through that pathway, you know, we, we take our life in a different direction. In your case, you know, founding, you know, your essential oil company, you know, for me again, overcoming Lyme disease, you know, we, we have our, our path that, that teaches us so much, not only what we can do for ourselves, but we can do for other people. So I think it's just so great that you were able to turn that into something that's now benefiting, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a year. And, you know, for people who might be uh, new to essential oils, I think a lot of people out there have some experience. They've at least heard of it. A lot of people, I'm sure, have used them. But can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what are these essential oils? Yeah, oils are the concentrated essences of plants. So basically, you pick lavender from the field, you put it in a big vat of boiling water, the steam rises, the oil goes down one tube, and the boiling water goes down the other. And that is how you distill essential oils in essence. And so what people may or may not know is that most of our modern medicine is derived from plants, right? White willow bark became aspirin. Valerian root became Valium. You know, we most of the pharmaceutical drugs, I think it's like over 50% of pharmaceutical drugs are derived from plants and based upon the chemical constituents of plants. So by using concentrated essences of essential oils, you're basically capturing that same medicinal property, but in order to copyright something or patent something, it needs to not be found in nature. So that minor altercation sometimes is what causes um, adverse reactions or side effects or, or other challenges. But if you're just working with the natural product, it assimilates more naturally into um, with, with humans. Plants and humans are biofamiliar. Yeah. I always think it's funny how, you know, drug companies will take something that's been in nature forever and they, you know, to patent it, they have to tweak it by one little molecule uh, yeah. to be able to make it a, a new, unique substance. And I think one of the funniest stories I ever heard uh, about, you know, a drug company stealing from nature was with red yeast rice, which isn't really a plant per se, it's, it's a food, uh, but they found that this red yeast rice, which is a food that's consumed in China, contains 11 naturally occurring statin compounds. 
So back in the 80s, Merck made a drug called Mevacor, which was one of those compounds as a cholesterol-lowering drug. And then they turned around and they sued the company that was making a supplement of red yeast rice for patent infringement. And they got into this very long legal battle and uh, they won their initial case, actually, and then they get overturned in the appeals court. But it's just so funny. It's like, how can you steal something that nature's been doing forever and, you know, call it a drug? But, you know, to your point, you know, these essential oils are very concentrated and incredibly powerful. So talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of the things that essential oils are good for? Yeah, I mean, most people think of them as being like relaxing, you know, like lavender or chamomile. They have kind of uh, sedative or anti-anxiety properties that can calm you down. They also are kind of known for being um, energizing, like vasodilating, like peppermint or rosemary, which means um, part of what energy is, is getting blood flow into the brain or the limbs so that we have the energy to move, right? And so if the vasculature, if the veins are kind of constricted, less blood flows. Think of um, a freeway, right? If there's construction going on, there should be four lanes, but only one is open. Not Traffic moves very slowly. And then the minute that you pass that construction area and all four lanes open up, there's more space. So you move faster. So that's another area. Um, and they can be used. What I try to do is work with practitioners and kind of identify areas that blind spots. You know, if uh, someone is low in vitamin D, that's an easy one. You supplement with vitamin D, right? If somebody is struggling to sleep for a variety of reasons or um, their lymphatic flow is is not draining or getting congested or they're kind of um, stuck in a stress response, that's where oils, I think, are an incredible complement to what they're already doing. Yeah. And, you know, clinically, I mean, I've used essential oils. Like you mentioned, I think, you know, stress, anxiety, sleep, these tend to be very common uses. I think a lot of, you know, marketing I see out there is kind of for those purposes. But again, they, they do so much more. I mean, some of these essential oils are very potent antimicrobials. Uh, some of them are, uh, like I said, they're, they're good for circulation, good for cardiovascular illness. Uh, some of them uh, can actually help control blood sugar. So, you know, yeah. there are really very broad applications. If you consider all the plants out there that contain essential oils, and literally there's there's a gazillion of them, uh, you know, each of these different plant extracts can do various things for the body. And like you mentioned, you know, they can be applied topically, they can be inhaled. Sometimes we do use them internally, although I know you have to be a little bit careful with the internal use because some of these essential oils are so potent, they can really cause some gastrointestinal problems if you don't know how to dose it correctly. But uh, just to understand that there's a very broad application of these essential oils. So. You know, I'm curious, you know, with your company, I mean, I know you 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 use organic plants, uh, you wildcraft and wildcraft means you go out into the wilderness and you can literally pull them from nature where they haven't been touched by chemicals and toxins. Uh, can you just talk a little bit more about the process? Because, I mean, if you look at other essential oil companies out there, I know they're not all created equal and I know not all of them are necessarily using organic plants. Uh, in my mind, there's a risk of when you're taking a very concentrated part of a plant, and if that plant is toxic, you know, aren't you really just concentrating those toxins into the oil since the oil is probably what holds a lot of those potential toxins? I mean, that is a risk, but I, I really try to shy away from fear-based marketing. You know, for anyone that's ever had an herb garden, how hard is it to grow lavender or peppermint or basil? You don't need a lot of pesticides to grow these plants. So I don't want people to, um, you know, worry too much. Organic is preferable, but, um, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, 
with the, the dirty dozen, you know, some, some fruits, if you can't get it organic, it's still okay. Um, I think, uh, you know, I really do try to source with great integrity. I actually think that the, the more interesting challenge is, you know, like factory farming versus um, working with small farms. Like think of pasture raised eggs where you know the chickens are actually out in the field eating the grass as opposed to, you know, poor farm chickens who maybe don't ever see daylight. I think it's just having that kind of love and care and attention throughout the process. And that that's what I really see as one of our core differential advantages is we we do work with small farmers. We're not a big company, you know, we're not um, plowing our own fields and, and, you know, factory farming anything. Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, the best use in my community for essential oils is as a natural tick repellent. You know, we've actually got good evidence that a lot of these essential oils are are great for repelling ticks, you know, mosquitoes and other biting insects. You know, the common chemicals that are used like DEET are incredibly toxic. And of course, if it gets absorbed through your skin, that can be very dangerous, particularly if you're applying it on a regular basis. But it's very, very safe to use essential oils. If they get on your skin, that's okay. You know, it's a it's a plant and, you know, it's not really toxic of any nature, but uh, I've had patients that when they're going out camping, when they go out hiking, you know, they're going to be out where there might be exposure to ticks. They can just, you know, spray over their clothes. If they need to put a spray on their skin, at least we know it's safe and it actually works quite well at keeping ticks away. No, it's fabulous. We have a purification 